essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hey wrestling fans, welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, I'm your host, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I want to thank you right off the start for joining me each and every week, whether you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or on YouTube, plus any of the other podcast outlets that you might enjoy your podcasts on. Be sure to like and subscribe so you'd never miss another episode of this podcast. Plus, be sure to share this with your friends so we can grow our audience. On this week's show, we're going to look at all the action from Tilsonburg with Smash Wrestling. Set up the calendar for independent wrestling going forward in the next week or two, along with results from NWA, AEW, WWE, and setting up what's going to happen in the week ahead. So I'll be right back after these short messages. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. in professional wrestling over the last six decades, it is the Rhodes family. Inside the ropes, Kenny McIntosh will welcome Cody, Brandy, and Dustin Rhodes as they discuss their family's pro wrestling DNA, their past and current adventures inside and beyond the squared circle, the Rhodes family legacy, and more in a deep elite discussion that will know no bounds. Inside the Rhodes at StarCast. Be with us in Baltimore and catch the show live as part of StarCast 4. Bracelets, meet and greets, and more available now at StarCast.com. Also available to stream live and on demand through Fight.tv. Yo, this is Tarek. You listen to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. And welcome back to the show. Let's start off as we normally do 
with news from Smash Wrestling. Last week, Smash Wrestling returned to the ring for some more action, and it was in Tilsonburg, Ontario. We had a group of 14 join us for all the action, and I'd like to, at this moment, thank each and every one of you who joined us on this road trip. It was greatly appreciated, not only by myself, but also the staff and management of Smash Wrestling. Due to a couple of injuries and, I guess, a double booking, there was some shuffling of the card around a bit, but we still had some amazing action from Smash. Our opening contest saw Mr. Michael Grayson defeat Ethan Dukes. Up next was The Muscle and Violet Lee, the team known as Physical Attraction, going against the tag team champions Halal Beefcake. Halal Beefcake did pick up the victory in this contest. The triple threat match turned into a four-way match featuring Psycho Mike Rollins, Alec Realm, John Greed, and the King of the North, Carter Mason. Psycho Mike Rollins picked up the victory by beating Alec Realm. Unfortunately, Psycho Mike seemed to have left his magic lamp at home as there wasn't any shenanigans with any of his wishes. After the intermission, the show began with another match from the Wrestle Factory, and that had Cole taking on Devin Devine. Devin Devine picked up the victory over Cole in this contest. Due to an injury that Sebastian Suave suffered on the night before down in Fort Erie, Kyle Boone took his place in the tag team match, teaming with Tarek, going against the team of Roscoe Black and the Smash Wrestling Champion, Kevin Bennett. It was a lot of fast-paced, hard-hitting action, with Tarek and Kyle Boone pulling out the victory over Black and Bennett. And then the main event was Corey Stone, the Canadian buzzsaw, taking on the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes. This one went a long time, and it showed on Corey's chest, as Corey endured a lot of chops from the machine. And it wasn't enough, and Tyson Dukes did pull out the victory to end the night and send the fans home. Up next for Smash Wrestling is November 8th, when Smash Wrestling returns to Brock University for Proving Grounds at Isaac's Bar and Grill in St. Catharines. On that night, you'll see Tyler Hill try to claim a spot in Smash Wrestling roster as he challenges Carter Mason, the King of the North. Heavyweight Jake Jones will go straight to the top of the food chain and challenge the Smash Wrestling champion, the remix Kevin Bennett. Jody Threat has always been up for the challenge when she steps in the ring for Smash Wrestling, and that won't change anytime soon, even if the competition on November 8th is beautiful Bia as she takes on Jody Threat. And Tiberius King is looking to knock off one of the pillars as he has challenged Brent Banks at Proving Grounds, happening this Friday, Brock University, St. Catharines, Ontario, at Isaac's Bar and Grill. Then on Saturday, November 23rd, Smash Wrestling returns to St. Thomas, Ontario at the Joe Thornton Community Center. We're going to put together another group package of wrestling fans heading down the road from London to St. Thomas for this. And if you'd like to be a part of it, be sure to contact me either through our Facebook page or emailing me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. 
Will Psycho Mike Rollins' conscience get the best of him as he squares off against Corey Stone? We'll have to find out. There'll also be some triple threat tag team action as the titles are on the line with the Revolt, the Pillars, Brent Banks and Tarek, and Halal Beefcake all squaring off to determine who will be the champions. It'll also be teacher versus student as Mr. Michael Grayson steps into the ring with his Russell Factory teacher, Tyson Dukes. More announcements for matches should be made very soon, but you won't want to miss any of the action as they return to St. Thomas on November 23rd, and you can join us by being part of the Scumbags Wrestling section. Contact me for more information. Checking out the Ontario Indie scene for the upcoming events, you can go tonight, November 3rd, to NXW as they present Last Man Standing at the Warehouse in St. Catharines. The main event will see Bruiser Battersby challenging NXW Northern Lights Heavyweight Champion, the Canadian bad boy Tyler Hill, in a Last Man Standing match. This and many more matches will happen tonight as NXW presents Last Man Standing, the Warehouse in St. Catharines. Then Thursday, November 7th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario presents Thursday Night Slam, happening at the Rock Pile in Toronto. Then on Saturday, November 9th, Midwestern Wrestling debut their first show at Parkview Gardens in Listowel, Ontario. The doors will open at 6 p.m. with the first bell at 7. You can get your tickets for $15 in advance or $20 at the door. It's an all-ages licensed event. You won't want to miss all the action that's coming your way. Some of the matches you will see include Psycho Mike Rollins taking on Karu. The Smash Wrestling Tag Team titles will actually be on the line at this event as the Revolt challenged Halal Beefcake for the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Saturday, November 9th, Listol, Ontario, Midwestern Wrestling. It's a new promotion, man. I like being a part of something new. Down to business, man. I, I messaged the promoter. I said, who am I wrestling? Right? Who is Tarek stepping in the ring with, man? And he got back to me. He said, Tarek. Which is me. He said, you're wrestling Kyle Boone. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I had emoji, that's what I'd be doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I heard that name, man. I know that name, Kyle Boone. That's a blue chipper name. Right? But then I got to thinking. I got to thinking with Whenever I do this, man, something's going on, right? So I, I was thinking, Kyle Boone, that's a strong name, man, but just, maybe that's not for wrestling, though, right? That name, that name would be really good for, uh, let's see, Kyle Boone, uh, NASCAR driver, right? Big name, big name there. Um, uh, a fisherman, right? A 10-pound test, bro. Come on, man. That's, that's big right there, bro. 10-pound test, Kyle Boone. Right, uh, you got, uh, you could have been a, uh, a bowler, right? Ten pins. Bowler-rammer. You could be uh, a curler, right? You can throw darts. You can be a deer hunter. You can be all these things if you put your mind to it, man. I don't know what this man's laughing at, bro. Okay. Listen, Cal Boone versus Tarek. One-on-one. The hardest-hitting man in all of wrestling. Mr. Punch Kick Chop versus Ten Pins, Cal Boone. Punch, kick, chop. Done. And that match will be happening at Midwestern Wrestling as Tarek takes on Kyle Boone. I was able to catch up with Kyle to get his rebuttal. Sam, go, 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 go. It's Sam, it's Sam. Kyle Boone. 
Sean from Scumbags Wrestling. Okay, I got a moment. Man. Look, man, I know I'm everybody's favorite wrestler right now, but, like, I got to go to the gym. I got to keep these gains going. I only got one hour until it closes. You, I got to get my tan in. Have you ever tried to tan underneath the moon? It's pretty hard. I've tried. Yeah, but November 9th, Midwest Wrestling. You got Tarek. What's your plan? Look, man, I'm not really good at the whole plans thing, but I'm good at numbers, okay? Number A, there's two of us and one of him. That means that we're bigger and stronger than him, okay? And number B, even if Tarek somehow killed me, I got a guy who can literally bring me back to life as many times as I need, okay? So, you can do that, right? See? There you go. Facts. Yeah, but Tarek's really uh, fierce. What is your green counter for that? Man, I don't care how fierce he is. All I know is that I'm still gonna ah, punch. Ah, yeah. Every little hair off his stupid chiseled chest. Okay? Are we done here? Yeah, uh, thanks for your time. Good luck November 9th. Let's go, Josh. Looks like Kyle's ready to go one-on-one -on -one with Tarek on November 9th. Hopefully Josh Pine will still be alive to be able to revive him if Tarek should kill him. In the main event for you that evening, we'll see a triple threat match with the endorsement Sebastian Suave, Von Vertigo, and the wrestling machine Tyson Dukes all squaring off in the main event. In two weeks away... And I'm excited to announce that I'm going to be a part of Midwestern Wrestling. I am excited for Listol to have good, solid, professional wrestling at its best. And what a way to crown it off than have a triple threat main event with me, Tyson Dukes, the man known as Sebastian Suave, the endorsement, one of my boys, one of the pillars, and that high-flying, crazy son-of-a-gun, Von Vertigo. Can't get enough. Long vertigo. Good, solid talent. But, guess what? Lately, I've been in a real bad mood. I'm very cranky. I don't know why. Maybe it's the fact that I have to prove myself over and over again. Well, that stops at Midwestern. Because proof is in the pudding. And you're going to see the best action from the start of the show to the end of the show. Because at the end of the show, you get Tyson Dukes. And let me tell you. I'm ready. Midwestern Wrestling, are you ready? I think you're ready. Listool, be ready, because here we come, and we ain't gonna stop. This is only the beginning. Be there for the crowning moment when we take over that area. Bam, Listool, Midwestern Wrestling. Let's get it. Midwestern Wrestling, in association with Healthy Computers and McLean's Ales, are proud to present live pro wrestling at Parkview Gardens Listowel, Saturday, November 9th. If you're a wrestling junkie, a casual fan, or just up for a night of great professional wrestling, unbelievable athleticism, and amazing entertainment, you'll love what MWW brings to your local arena. This show is a licensed all-ages event. Tickets are 15 in advance, 20 at the door, and a family four-pack is just 50 bucks. Check us out on Facebook for more details. Midwestern Wrestling. Also on Saturday, November 9th, CWF presents Live Pro Wrestling at Northern College Kirkland Lakes Campus in Kirkland Lake, Ontario. And on Sunday, November 10th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario presents Fall Face Off, happening at the Rock Pile in Toronto, Ontario at 1 p.m. 
This concludes your independent wrestling in Ontario calendar. Be sure to get out there and support independent wrestling wherever you can find it. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. Shockstock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near. As the outside world falls into chaos, word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spread throughout the land. Three days of thrills and chills. With screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, all-nighter parties, and more. Stay tuned for guest announcements and more info. This past week, Impact Wrestling made their move to Access TV, and that meant they're now going to be on Tuesday nights. It also is Tuesday nights on the Fight Network here in Canada, and I believe still Saturdays on Game TV in Canada. The tapings took place at Sinclair College in Windsor, Ontario just recently, and the results quickly were Josh Alexander losing to Marafuji after Marafuji hit a slice bread number two for the victory. There was a six-woman tag team match involving Tyler Valkyrie, Kara Hogan, and Madison Rain taking on the team of Rosemary, Jordan Grace, and Alexia Nicole. Jordan Grace rolled up Taya for the victory out of nowhere to score the upset victory for her team. This could put Jordan Grace in contention for the Knockouts Championship. The team of Rich Swan and Willie Mack hit a double-team top-rope neckbreaker to the Desi Hit Squad to pick up the victory for their team. Ken Shamrock had come out to the ring, but he was confronted by recent signee Joy Ryan, which set up a future bout between these two. After Ace Austin had approached Eddie Edwards' wife backstage during Bound for Glory, it was sure to be a fight in the making, and Eddie Edwards and Ace Austin faced off in a street fight with Austin picking up the victory. Then there was a monitor backstage with showing the apparent death of Sue Young. When she rose, there was another woman watching the monitor who looked exactly like Sue Young except for this girl was now named Susie. She was confused of where she was as she was looking around and ran into the deaners who were scared off by her.
We'll see what this new version of Su Young is as she appears to be out of the undead realm and now wandering around as Susie. The most important news out of this TV taping was the fact that the World Championship was on the line in a steel cage as Sammy Callahan challenged the champion Brian Cage to the title. This went back and forth. It was a brutal and bloody affair between the two combatants, but Sammy connected with a vicious pile driver off the top to win the match and become the new Impact World Champion. But before Callahan could fully celebrate, Tessa Blanchard came to the top of the ramp and stared down Callahan, signaling that there's bound to be another confrontation between these two. Looking at NWA Power, which you can catch every Tuesday night at 6.05 on Facebook or YouTube. This week's episode started with a video package revolving around Tim Storm's past weeks, particularly his last dealings with Eli Drake. We also saw the Dawson's surprisingly defeat Storm and Drake in their match last week. And then Aldous emerged to check on Storm afterwards. The show then officially started with James Storm coming out and asking why he has to prove himself each and every week. And the fact that he's beat Cole Cabana and Nick Aldis seems to be ducking him. That brought out Cole Cabana saying that he wants the piece of the North American Championship that belongs to him. And he's fully recovered and ready to go for it. He started then bringing up Josephus and Eli Drake. And Drake then comes out to the set to remind Storm that what he has in his hands, being the North American Championship, is the ticket to the world title. And he warns Storm that if he takes his eye off the prize, that he's going to lose his place in the pecking order for the world title. Eli also added more fuel to the fire, agreeing with Storm that Nick Aldis seems to be ducking him. This ended up bringing out Nick Aldis. He's tired of all the shenanigans that are going on and says that he's ready to do something a little different and settle things in the ring. Aldis suggested that they have a six-man tag team match involving himself and Colt Cabana, plus another partner, teaming up to go against James Storm and two partners of his choosing, with the proviso that if Aldis' team wins, Cabana gets a shot at James Storm's North American Championship, but if James Storm's team wins, that Aldous will defend his title against James Storm. Aldous, though, did mention if Storm goes after his 10 pounds of gold, that Storm will have to put up his title as well, so it'll be a winner-take-us-all, and both of them have something to lose. Trevor Murdoch was interviewed by Marquez, and they say about knowing each other for a long time, and that he doesn't want Josephus suspended for 40 days for throwing powder into Colt Cabana's face, that he'd rather sell things in the ring. Josephus came out and said that he's tired of all these other people like James Storm and Colt Cabana getting in his way, and that his spiritual advisor has sanctioned him all kinds of violence against Murdoch Trevor. So they end up getting into the ring and having a match one-on-one, Josephus against Trevor Murdoch. Josephus tried to use powder again, but Murdoch was onto it and kicked the powder into Joseph's face, and Murdoch hit the second rope for a big bulldog, and that was it. 
Trevor Murdoch picks up the victory over Josephus. Aaron Stevens came up for an interview, and fans were chanting Captain Morgan at him as he was warning people not to give him eye contact. Stevens is asked when he's going to get into the ring. He starts talking about his movie again, but is then interrupted by Ricky Starks. They get into an altercation, and it's going to lead to a match one-on-one with them. There's a recap of the situation between Eddie Kingston, Homicide, and the Wildcards, leading to the Dawsons attacking all three of them. Austin Idol had another commercial this week, this time advertising kayfabe cocktails, and he calls the cocktails an aphrodisiac, and he'd love to tell you what's in it, but that wouldn't be kayfabe, would it? There was an advertisement for the Rock and Roll Express, who are going to be uh, making an appearance on NWA Power very soon, and then, then there was a no-disqualification match between the Dawsons, Kingston, and Homicide. There was interference in this match involving the wild cards, and there was some chairs, a lot of of hard hits. At one point near the end, Kingston went for a spinning back fist, but Isaacs hit a DVD onto Eddie Kingston on top of steel chairs, and he put Dave on top of him, and the Dawsons picked up the victory by pinning Eddie Kingston. Marty Bell came out, and she was excited to prove herself again and said that Allison Kay is one of her best friends, but she wants to have the NWA Women's Championship, and that's why she challenges Ashley Vox to a match as Kay had already defeated Vox a few weeks ago. Allison Kay was then at ringside as the two girls were about to get into the ring and made comments about how she already beat Vox, but she doesn't think Marty is ready even though she is good friends with her and marty bell then took on ashley vox ashley vox ends up picking up the victory allison k applauded afterwards as vox left thunder rosa then uh rushed past her and into the ring there was a menacing drum beat playing as marty got to her feet and rosa offered her hand marty didn't uh want it and made her leave the ring as the uh, drum beats slowed down. There was a match between Aaron Stevens and Ricky Starks, which Starks rolled up a high-pitched squealing Aaron Stevens with a roll-up for the victory. Afterwards, Stevens repeatedly shouted no as the crowd cried back yes. The six-man tag team main event was next as James Storm had picked the wild cards to be his tag team partners, and Nick Aldis had Colt Cabana and Ken Anderson as his tag team partners. Colt Cabana picked up the victory with a Superman pin, which now means that Colt Cabana will earn himself a title match against James Storm for the North American Championship on the next edition of Power. Cold 
Havana, November 7th through the 10th. Hopefully you've gotten your tickets to StarCast 4 in Baltimore, Maryland on November 8th. That's the Friday. I will be in Baltimore signing autographs, doing meet and greets, selling t-shirts. You know the deal. Uh, but I'm also doing a live stage show. Uh, it is a live art of wrestling subtitled, We Made the Stars of StarCast, where I will be talking on stage with uh, prelim guys, uh, enhancement wrestlers. They finally get to tell their stories. People like Bob Starr, Gilbert, George South, and of course, someone I've been waiting to talk to for years, Barry Horwitz. Uh, if you've seen the live art of wrestling in the past, you're going to love this. We'll talk to them each for about 10 minutes, and then at the very end, we'll do a live Q&A uh, to make sure you get in any questions that you want to ask. I'm super excited. You know I love being on the stage. You know I love doing these live art of wrestlings, and you know I love going to StarCast, where Conrad and the gang, they treat me so well. It's such a great time. Please show up, grab some tickets, uh, and uh, join me on stage for those who made the stars of StarCast. Be with us in Baltimore and catch the show live as part of StarCast 4. Bracelets, meet and greets, and more available now at StarCast.com. Also available to stream live and on demand through Fight.tv. Hey, wrestling fans. Join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years, and we've already seen stars come out of the factory, such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, the smartest man in wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line where you can see the beginnings happening today. On the production line, each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. Over in AEW, be sure to check out AEW Dark every Tuesday at 7 o'clock. On their YouTube channel. These are matches that happened the six days beforehand at the last Dynamite taping and are shown exclusively on this program. This week's event had Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss defeating Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. Amy Sakura defeated Ali Penelope Ford and Sadie Gibbs in a four way women's match and in a false count anywhere. Three-way match, Darby Allen defeated Jack Evans and Jimmy Havoc. That led us to Wednesday night for a regular AEW Dynamite show, this week coming to us from Charleston, West Virginia, at the Charleston Coliseum. Since it was a Halloween edition and a fun twist, the turnbuckles had the heads of Rick and Morty logos and graphics on them tonight. The show opened with Tony Giovanni greeting Cody and Dustin Rhodes, who were seen exiting a private jet. They made their way to the limo and were discussing the fact that later on in the evening, there was going to be a contract signing officially for the match at full gear between Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes for the AEW World Championship. 
The show then in the arena started with Excalibur and Jim Ross explaining that Tony Schiavone was going to join them later when he arrived at the arena with Cody and Dustin. The first match of the night saw Inner Circle member Sammy Guevara taking on Hangman Page. Jim Ross likened Sammy Guevara to a young Eddie Guerrero. At one point, Sammy was able to hit a thrust kick to Page, but that was pretty much all the uh, action that Sammy was able to get in as Hangman ended up dominating most of the match. He turned Sammy inside out with a lariat and then hit a sidewalk slam on the ring apron, followed by a moonsault on the outside. Then Hangman hit a huge pinfall victory with the buckshot lariat on Guevara. After the match, Page got a microphone and made comments about his match coming up against Pac happening at full gear. Up next was a women's match featuring Shanna, Portugal's perfect athlete, making her debut against Haraku Shida. Shida had hit a running knee and then a falcon arrow on Shanna for a two count, but then Shida scored the victory after hitting another running knee that had pinpoint accuracy on Shanna. That match was then followed by a spotlighting video package on Brandy Rhodes. There was an interview on top of the stage with Rock and Roll Express, who were there to present the first ever AEW tag team titles to the winner at the end of the night. Unfortunately, that interview got interrupted by Santana Ortiz, who came out swinging loaded socks and beat down the Hall of Famers. They even put Ricky Morton through the stage. The Young Bucks then came out and ran off Santana Ortiz as they attended to the Rock and Roll Express. Then there was a six-man tag team match with QT Marshall, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds taking on the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent, along with Orange Cassidy, all who were dressed in Rick and Morty Halloween costumes. The team of best friends and Orange Cassidy picked up the victory in this match. Then it came time for the contract signing for the AEW World Championship match at full gear. They had a table set up top of the stage. A lawyer was present. Jericho came out. Then Cody came out with he arrived with Tony Schiavone. Cody ended up signing the contract. Jericho signed his side of the contract. And they ended up shaking hands, even though Cody was hesitant at first about doing so. But Jericho said he was going to be honest with this and not uh, cause any problems like you normally see with contract signings. Cody then ended up pulling Jericho tight into him, and Jericho removed his sunglasses and said that they could stay there all night, but Cody might be needed somewhere else. That's when Sammy Guevara came on the video screen and started taunting Cody, because in the background was Jake Hager beating up Dustin into the back of the limousine, putting a dent in the rear of it, and then also slamming Dustin's arm in the door, reminiscent of what happened with Dusty Rhodes and the Horsemen back in NWA. Cody quickly left the stage area to go rescue his brother. He was joined by MJF, and the heels ended up running off a bit as Jericho casually walked past and lit up a cigar 
before leaving, gloating about what just happened. Kip Sabian and the Hybrid 2, Jack Evans and Angelico, took on the Elite, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega for a six-man tag team match. The Elite were just in Halloween costumes beforehand, and Sabian and Hybrid 2 ambushed the Elite in the ring. Hybrid 2 double-teamed Omega until the Bucks assisted their friend with an incredible offense combination. Angelico had applied a submission on Matt, and Matt eventually managed to escape and speared Sabian for a two-count. Sabian then hit a spectacular reverse Rana on Matt, but he tagged out to Omega, who dished out Snapdragons to all three opponents, and then hit Nick Jackson ended up hitting super kicks on Sabian. Omega nailed Angelico with a V-trigger, and then connected with V-trigger on Jack Evans and one wing Angel for the pin, giving the Elite the victory. As they were celebrating, there was two fans dressed as Rick and Morty at ringside, and they high-fived the Jacksons as to celebrate, only to unmask and reveal themselves as Santana and Ortiz. Caught by surprise, Nick and Matt were the recipients of a few close-hand strikes before Omega could make the save and run off the Inner Circle members. Peter Avalon, the librarian, came to the ring and started mocking the crowd. I'm not sure who he was actually supposed to go against, but whatever was going on and supposed to happen got interrupted by Moxley, who came to the ring and vented his frustrations about what has happened recently and also directed his comments towards Kenny Omega, who he's going to meet at full gear on November 9th. The main event of the night was for the AEW Tag Team Champions to be crowned at the conclusion of the match because this was the last match in the tournament to decide the first ever champions and it had SCU, Frankie Kassarian, and Scorpio Sky taking on the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Private Party was at ringside watching the match unfold while the Dark Order was backstage with their minions watching how the match turned out. This one was kind of interesting in its placement, as there really wasn't much time left in the show. Uh, I guess it started somewhere about 9.47-ish, and they kind of were aware of the timing and made the whole old Tony Giovanni sort of announcement of, the tape machines will be rolling, and regardless of what happens, if we go off the air... We'll be able to show you what happened on our social media accounts and whatever. But this match went back and forth. Really good uh, combination between these four. But just with like a minute left to go, SCU picked up the surprise roll-up victory. It really was anticlimactic, but they got it in before the time limit came up on their TV time on TNT. Pentagon kind of looked a little frustrated and confused about what happened. I'm guessing it probably wasn't the original outcome as far as the finish goes. Sure, SCU was probably supposed to win, but not in that sort of roll-up, oh, we have no time left sort of moment. Rock and Roll Express obviously were taken out earlier, so they didn't return to give out the titles, and the show ended with SCU holding up the newly won tag team titles.
next week on November 6th. It'll be the go-home show from the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's their go-home show for Full Gear, which will happen on Saturday, November 9th. That card still has only four matches announced, and that has John Moxley against Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks against Santana Ortiz, Adam Page against Pac, and Chris Jericho defending the championship against Cody. You know there's going to be at least the women's title and the tag team titles online, and we'll have to fill out the rest of the card with who they're going to go against and any other matches being added to the card, hopefully this Wednesday. And that's AEW report for this week. It's a big day, and the reason why is that Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger at Seaport is officially sold out, man. Thanks to all of you who booked in the pre-sale. Thanks for all of you who booked early, and thanks to all of you who are going to be joining us for the vacation of a lifetime. Now, here's the thing. If you didn't buy your cabin, if you didn't book your cabin, and you still want to go, we'll put you on the waiting list. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. If somebody has to drop out for whatever reason, you'll be the first one we call. So there's still a chance. Cross your fingers. Maybe somebody double booked themselves. Maybe somebody uh, paid with Monopoly money and we just found out about it. Either way, there's still a chance that you can make it on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager. And see, if you can't, make sure to pre-book early for the next one. But for right now, we are sold out, baby. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager Part C, that's C Part 2. We'll see you there. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services.
Hey, it's Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. Well, let's take a look at what happened this week in WWE TV, including some news and everything that happened at Crown Jewel this past Thursday. The week started off with Monday Night Raw, and the show opened with Paige coming to the ring. She introduced her tag team, the Kabuki Warriors. There was kind of an odd segment where Carrie Zane and Asuka were speaking in Japanese, and when Paige tried to get the microphone back from Carrie, it fell on the mat. Paige picked it up, turned around, and got the green mist in the face from Asuka. Paige then was needing medical attention to get the green mist out of her eyes as she could not see and Becky Lynch came down to set up the match between herself and Carrie Zane. Even though Oscar tried to interfere, it wasn't enough of a distraction to give Carrie Zane the win, and Becky Lynch picked up the victory with a disarmor. She also stared down Oscar as there's still some unfinished business between the two since Oscar did beat Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. Then there was a match between Buddy Murphy and R-Truth. R-Truth tried to be funny by saying that Buddy wasn't his buddy. And they had a match against each other, but he's still wanting to have the 24-7 championship back. And that's when the Singh brothers were being chased by Eric Young and company to go after the title. Truth ended up joining the run around the ring, but he noticed he was about to get counted out. So he quickly got back into the ring. Buddy was hit with a knee by Buddy Murphy and was defeated. There was a rematch from last week with Ricochet and Drew McIntyre. And they both had their respective team captains, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, by their side. And the match ended in disqualification when Randy Orton hit a RKO out of nowhere on Ricochet for the disqualification. There were two local talent dressed up as Chicago Cubs baseball players to antagonize the crowd since they were in St. Louis and there's a rivalry between the Cubs and the Cardinals. The Viking Raiders came out to make short work of these two Chicago Cubs. After suffering a victory last week to Andrade, Sin Cara decided to even out the odds by introducing a mass luchadora named Carolina to be at ringside with him to hopefully counterbalance the outside interference from Selena Vega. While Carolina did do her job to neutralize the interference from Vega, Sin Cara was distracted by it and was still rolled up by Andrade for the victory. Charlotte Flair and Natalia teamed up together to go against the Iconics, and Natalia made Peyton Royce tap out to the sharpshooter for a victory for their team. Universal champion Seth Rollins went one-on-one against Eric Rowan in a Falls Count Anywhere match that eventually made it backstage, and there was a forklift that Seth had lowered down with a pallet on top of Rowan to get the victory. AJ Styles was somewhat impressed by Carrillo going against Seth Rollins the week before, that he decided to give him an opportunity against him on this week's edition of Raw. Carrillo put up another really good match, but 
he wasn't enough to defeat the United States champion, AJ Styles. And in a really awkward and bad segment, I would uh, definitely say, the show ended with the King's Court, or as they were constantly labeling it all night, the Divorce King's Court, with special guests Rusev and Lana. Rusev came out still happy as can be. They made fact that he was wearing his wedding ring, still hoping that things will be repaired between him and Lana. But then Lana got on the microphone and basically called Rusev a sex addict, that all he wanted to do was have sex all the time with Lana, which Rusev's like, do you blame me? Then she ended up saying that all he wanted to do was impregnate her and that's not what she wants because she's a model and that her body is her way of making money and it would be gone if she was pregnant. Then she fired off saying that she heard that Rusev was unfaithful to her and cheated on her first and that's why she's with Bobby Lashley now. That didn't make any sense. Next thing you know, Lashley was out there. A brawl ensued. Rusev had taken off his ring and shoved it in Lashley's mouth and continued beating on him. So it makes it seem as though Lashley swallowed Rusev's ring. But Lana came back with a kendo stick to distract Rusev. Bobby Lashley got the upper hand as the cameras were getting ready to end for the night. And the show ended with Lashley and Lana making out right over top of the fallen body of Rusev. Over on NXT on Wednesday, it started off with Io Shirai defeating Candice LeRae. Shirai was going to add more insult to injury and post-match beatdown on LeRae with a chair, but Rhea Ripley came down to make the save, sending Shirai back to the dressing room. At the same time, this victory helps out with Io Shirai's claim that she should be the number one contender for Shayna Baszler. Finn Balor came out to somewhat explain himself for his attack on Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, the week before, and said that everybody watches him, not Johnny Wrestling, and if Johnny Gargano wants to come back at Finn Balor, he'll send him straight back to the hospital, and people won't be calling him Johnny Wrestling, they'll be calling him Johnny Watches Wrestling. And then he dropped the mic, and that was the end of his statement. Bronson Reed picked up a victory over Shane Thorne with a ring-shaking splash to give him the victory. Last week, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, Team Kick, picked up a victory to earn themselves the tag team title match against the women's champions Asuka and Kerry Zane. Kerry Zane distracted the referee as Asuka hit the mist into Dakota Kai's face. Kerry Zane then finished the match with an insane elbow for the victory, and the tag team champions retained their title. But that wasn't going to end all the activity with the women, as all hell broke loose right after that. As Tegan Knox was attending to her blinded tag team partner, Dakota Kai, the NXT women's champion, Shayna Baszler, along with her friends, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, came down to pick up the scraps. It looked like it was going to be a three-on-one situation because Dakota Kai could not defend herself at all. And just before things uh, broke down, Rhea Ripley came out again to make a rescue. 
But before she could make the rescue, Io Shirai and Bianca Belair ambushed her from behind, and Candice Array came out to make the save, and an all-out brawl started between all the women. General Manager William Regal demanded that NXT officials separate all the women, and then once they were separated, he announced that there's going to be a simple determination to solve everything. The first ever all-women war games will happen. So I'm actually not sure who's all going to be on which side, how many people are going to be involved, because right at the moment it looks like the heel side has five on it, and the babyface side has four. So I don't know if they're going to add another person to the team with Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae, or if they're going to have one of the horsewomen, like Jessamyn Duke or Maria Shafir, drop out of that match. Cameron Grimes and Tyler Bate went one-on-one against each other, and Killian Dane was at ringside. Unfortunately, that distraction from Dane allowed Grimes to pick up the victory when he hit the cave-in for the victory. Then, Killian Dane hit Bate into the steel steps, sending a message to his British Strong Style partner, Pete Dunne. The main event saw Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish go against the tag team of Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. Adam Cole and Roderick Strong came out to ringside as well, and that distraction allowed Bobby Fish and O'Reilly to hit Riddle with the picture perfect total elimination and give the Undisputed Era the victory. That win, though, wasn't enough for Cole and company, who then stomped Lee and Riddle after the bell. This then brought out Tommaso Ciampa with his crutch, and the trio of Lee, Riddle, and Ciampa chased away the Undisputed Era to end the show. Ciampa then got the microphone and had a message for Goldie, saying that you're going to have to wait because Daddy is going to go to war. So it looks like the Undisputed Era will be going in a men's war games match against Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and a partner yet to be announced, which could end up being maybe Velveteen Dream or somebody. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. On Thursday was the return to Saudi Arabia by WWE. Now, I know a lot of people have their feelings about how this should not be counted. Then Thursday was the WD returning Saudi Arabia for their latest edition of Crown Jewel. Now, a lot of people are not too pleased with the fact that WD has this working relationship with the Saudi government and have decided to not catch these shows. For that matter, I'm then going to just give a quick recap of everything that happened during that show as the results have some effect on what we're going to see coming up in the weeks ahead leading up to Survivor Series. The kickoff show saw Humberto Carrillo defeating 19 other superstars to win the Battle Royal for the right to challenge AJ Styles later on in the evening for the United States Championship. The main card started off with WWE Champion Brock Lesnar going one-on-one against his old 
UFC rival, Cain Velasquez. This looked more like a UFC fight within the confines of WWE ring, but it only lasted about two minutes when Cain got Brock Lesnar down, mounted him for more punches, hoping to put another scar on the other side of Lesnar's face, but Lesnar quickly clamped on the Kamara lock for the victory in just over two minutes. Then, of course, Brock went after Cain Velasquez and F5'd him on top of the chair, and that's when Rey Mysterio got in the ring and started beating Brock down with a chair, chasing him away from the ring. Ray obviously still wants revenge on Brock Lesnar for what he did to himself and to his son Dominic. There was a 19 tag team turmoil match to determine the best tag team in the world. This was the biggest tag team turmoil match that they've had in WWE history. The match started off with former Raw tag team champions Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode going against the Lucha House Party, Lindsay Dorado and Graham Metalik. The Luchadors put on a strong fight against Rude and Ziggler, but the glorious DDT on Metalik saw the party come to an end. Out next came Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, and they entered the fray to put Rude and Ziggler on the ropes, only for a zigzag to be hit, leading to an early exit from that bout. Rude and Ziggler then ran into a brick wall in the form of the heavy machinery, and despite doing everything in their power to escape it, there was no stopping Otis and Tucker from crushing Rude with the compactor to stay in the boat. Heavy Machinery then faced a tough test in six-time tag team champions the New Day. Otis and Tucker impressed the WWE Universe with shows of surprisingly athleticism and power, but the experience of the New Day proved to be the balance of power in this uh, contest and Big E and Kofi Kingston advanced after hitting Tucker with the midnight hour. The New Day then got rid of the B team and faced the Revival next. The Revival became another victim to the New Day who now have eliminated three teams from the turmoil match. Unfortunately the Revival did not leave as soon as they were eliminated and they attacked the New Day, hitting Kofi Kingston with a shatter machine, softening up for their next opponents. The OC was up next, and they took advantage of the Revival's actions, quickly eliminating the New Day with a magic killer on Kofi Kingston. The final team in the Tag Team Turmoil Tournament was the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders. Eric and Ivar overpowered Gallows and Anderson, and looked to get a quick victory, but the OC then attacked Eric's knee, weakened it enough to hit a magic killer and win the WWE Tag Team World Cup. With the OC beating the current Raw Tag Team Champions, that might put them in line for a tag title in the near future. Local talent from Saudi Arabia, Mansoor, who was in the 50-man battle royal and won that one, went one-on-one with Cesaro. Mansoor ended up hitting his moonsault, and scored the pinfall over Cesaro. Up next was Tyson Fury going one-on-one with Braun Strowman. This is one of your typical big man, slow plotting type matches, and even more so with the fact that you know you got a wrestler versus a boxer. 
At one point, they were on the outside after Strowman had run into the ring post and Fury went out after him. Then, at another point, when Strowman was going to try rolling Fury back in to finish off the job, Fury ended up unloading with a right cross to Strowman's chin and sent him to the outside again. Strowman was able to get to his feet, but unfortunately it wasn't in time for the 10 count to conclude. Fury picked up the victory by countout, but Braun Strowman got back into the ring and ended up hitting Fury with a power slam. I actually forgot to mention that during the 20-man battle royal on the kickoff show, that R-Truth had gotten back his 24-7 title for the 21st time by beating Sunil Singh. Later on, backstage, as Truth was trying to leave, Samir Singh ended up pinning R-Truth to capture the 24-7 championship. Samir didn't have much time to celebrate as the other lower card talent came racing after the Bollywood brothers to try and get the title for themselves. These two had met on Monday night, and the match was no different this time around as Carrillo continued to be relenting in fighting back. Carrillo ended up dazzling AJ with some Lucha Libre style, but as AJ was gearing frustration, AJ began targeting Carrillo's knee. AJ put the calf crusher then on Carrillo, but Carrillo ended up escaping and hit a moonsault. But unfortunately, AJ got out of the way, and Carrillo ended up on his feet, jamming his knee that AJ had been working on. This opened up the opportunity for AJ Styles to hit the phenomenal forearm and pick up the victory over his young challenger. This made for a complete night for the OC, not only retaining the United States champion, Chip, but also winning the greatest tag team in the World Cup. Last minute addition to the Crown Jewel card included a women's match, the first of its kind ever happening on stage in Saudi Arabia. They announced earlier in the week that Natalia would be going one on one with Lacey Evans. They attempted this the last time they were in Saudi Arabia. I believe it was supposed to be Alexa Bliss going against Natalia, but now this time it's Lacey doing it. They had to wear full body suits and wear t-shirts to cover up any temptation visually, I guess, uh, that is not legal in Saudi Arabia. But the women were able to do that and be able to perform their match. So... They had to do some concessions on their end, but Saudi Arabia finally gave in and allowed this match to take place. The crowd greeted them really ecstatically and cheered them as they came down to the ring. You could tell that they were very emotional for being part of this historic match. Then, when the bell rang, they got to do what they've been doing for the last dozen times that they've been against each other on TV and probably around the globe at house shows. The crowd at one point were chanting, this is awesome. Lacey Evans hit her moonsault. But the ending came when 
Natalia was able to get the sharpshooter on Lacey for the submission. After the match, two ladies hugged and knew that they'd made history on this evening. Team Hogan, which was captained by Team Hogan at ringside with Jimmy Hurt, was represented by Roman Reigns, Ricochet, Rusev, Shorty G, and Ali, as they took on the team of Ric Flair's pickings, being Randy Orton, King Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. The match started with a standoff between all of them, and eventually they would end up brawling on the outside, having Roman Reigns diving over the top rope into the pile. Then they went back into the ring, and Roman nearly had Orton finished until Randy Orton countered the Superman punch with an RKO. Roman ended up kicking out, and this when Team Hogan started clicking again, and Gable ended up stopping Orton from punting Roman in the head. Ali and Ricochet hit a dive to the outside on McIntyre and Lashley. This gave Roman enough time to hit Randy Orton with a spear that ended up giving Team Hogan the victory. Team Hogan then went up the ramp and celebrated to uh, Thunder's cheers from the audience. This would bring us to our main event, which had the Fiend Bray Wyatt challenging Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship in a Falls Count Anywhere match that could not be stopped, unlike how it was at Hell in a Cell. As the rules allowed, these two ended up brawling all over the place, up the ramp, across the stage, into some sound and light equipment, and with every time Seth Rollins hit the stomp, Bray Wyatt stood back up and would not stay down. The ending came when Seth sent Bray tumbling off the stage and onto some production area that exploded with sparks and flames. In what seemed to engulf Wyatt in his own little hell. But when Seth went to go check on Bray to try and finish the match off, more sparks flew, blinding Seth Rollins. Bray Wyatt rose up from the debris and ended up hitting a mandible claw and a sister Abigail to become the new WWE Universal Champion. This card was definitely a hit-and-miss mix of good and bad. Um, obviously, people got finally what they wanted with Bray Wyatt defeating Seth Rollins to become the new champion. And just when they thought everything was done and ready to pack up their bags and everything and head back to the United States in time for SmackDown Buffalo, there seemed to be a lot of turmoil happening in and around the airport. If you believe what WD uh, put out, there was some mechanical issues with one of the airplanes and they got taken off the airplane and were delayed a good 24 hours. But somehow, 20 people were able to get on another plane, 12 of them being talent and the others being Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn and a couple others, and were able to fly out of Saudi Arabia in time to get back to Buffalo in time for SmackDown for Friday night. Unfortunately, not everybody was able to do so, and WWE ended up calling up the NXT guys 
for filler to help put together a show for Fox. So that's kind of where things stood on the WWE side of things. However, there was a lot of tweets coming from superstars saying, like Rusev was saying that he thought that they needed prayers at the time. A couple others were saying never again. Were they going to do this travel? Not a lot of things were coming out for what was going on. However, Hugo Savinovich, who used to work for WWE on the Spanish announce table, apparently still has close friends in WWE and also knows people in Saudi Arabia and had a little bit different take on what happened. If you go by his story, which Dave Meltzer and company have kind of backed up on Wrestling Observer Radio, it turns out that the Crown Prince hasn't really paid up what he was owing to WD and Vince McMahon from the other trips to Saudi Arabia. And so, as a result, Vince decided to pull the plug on the live feed to the Saudi Arabia fans as sort of a retaliation. He ended up getting some money. They apparently were maybe then on a anywhere from 40 minutes to two-hour delay for the fans to be able to see uh, the show live. And this is where it kind of gets a little bit difficult to figure out what's going on because before they were able to leave, the Crown Prince was obviously very mad about what, about what happened and demanded everybody off the plane. Sounds almost like a hostage situation, which it wasn't because nobody was harmed and there was no ransom or anything needed. But yeah, there was some really weird delay WD did get some money from the government, and eventually, a day later, the rest of the superstars were able to travel. I think they had another stop in between. I saw Cesaro do a tweet from Ireland, but they eventually did make it back to North America. So there's a lot of upset talent, which Dave Meltzer is trying to encourage them to do some sort of union deal and try and prevent things like this happening again where they get to choose whether they go or not there's obviously some miscommunication financial issues going on between Vince McMahon and the crown prince in Saudi Arabia so who knows what's going to happen with the rest of this 10-year deal there's only two years in and only a couple events solid of the 10 years if more information about this whole situation becomes available, hopefully on the next podcast I'll be able to fill that in and we'll know a little bit more. On some good news in WWE News, Lance Storm posted also that while he's closing his wrestling school, when it's fully done, he's actually going back to WWE to become a producer. I kind of thought that that was somewhat going to happen, especially with the rumors of NXT Canada potentially have been coming up. But if that's still on the back burner, he's at least back in the fold and going to be doing some producer work. This then brought us to Friday Night and SmackDown, where they promised a whole bunch of surprises since WD superstars for SmackDown were stuck over in Saudi Arabia. The show started off with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman coming out 
They talked about what happened in Saudi Arabia with their match against Kane Velasquez. They even showed the whole match that happened against Kane since it was so quick. Then they also showed highlights of Rey Mysterio attacking Brock Lesnar with the steel chair. Brock wants to get his hands on Rey Mysterio. Apparently went to Vince McMahon and demanded Rey be able to be on SmackDown and was told no, that since the draft he is exclusive to Raw. So, as such, Brock Lesnar decided he was going to quit Friday Night SmackDown and show up on Monday Night Raw and confront Rey Mysterio. This, if this is allowed to happen, kind of solves the problem of now the Raw Heavyweight Championship being over on SmackDown side since Bray Wyatt is SmackDown and just won the Universal title from Raw competitor Seth Rollins. So if Seth is still over there and Brock Lesnar takes the WWE Championship over to Raw, the problem is solved between the two belts. So Brock Lesnar declared that he's going to show up on Monday night and hunt down Rey Mysterio to seek revenge for the chair shots that he received. SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey defended her championship against Nikki Cross. Cross had won a six-pack challenge just a couple weeks ago and was set to challenge for the title. Sasha Banks was at ringside and ended up causing a distraction, allowing Bailey to pick up the victory over Nikki Cross. No sooner did that happen, out from the crowd came Shayna Baszler, the NXT Women's Champion, who launched Sasha into the ring post and then went promptly after the WWE SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey and laid her out. Shafir stood tall over the fallen champion. Backstage, Sami Zayn was uh, there getting interviewed and talked about how the NXT champion had Women's Champion had just made an attack and wondered how many other NXT people were going to be around because we'd also seen. Shawn Michaels and Triple H backstage as Brock Lesnar was leaving the building. And as Sami Zayn was talking about this, he was confronted by Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. He tried to say he was one of the original NXT guys and say that he supported them, even after he was caught saying that they wouldn't want to run into him. And instead, Sami Zayn went running for his life, made his way to the ring, and got beat up for his efforts by both Riddle and Keith Lee, who even hit a second rope moonsault onto Sami Zayn. So it definitely appeared as though NXT was there to make a statement, since the day before it was announced that NXT was going to be actually a part of this year's Survivor Series, not just Raw vs. SmackDown, but it's Raw vs. SmackDown vs. NXT. Then there was Miz TV segment. Miz is another guy who didn't go overseas for the Saudi Arabia Crown Jewel event. So he was still available. He was supposed to have Bray Wyatt on Miz TV. He talked about what happened with Bray Wyatt winning the championship. And then questioned what was going on with NXT. He was interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa. And they set up a battle against each other. Ciampa ended up picking up the victory after hitting the fairy tale ending to score the victory on behalf of NXT over The Miz and SmackDown. 
Then it looked like they were supposed to be a tag team match with Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, taking on Carmella and Dana Brooke. Unfortunately, that didn't happen as Bianca Belair single-handedly took out Carmella and Dana Brooke. This left Rose and Deville in the ring wondering what was going to happen next. And that's when Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley made their way to the ring and made an impromptu tag team match of Ripley and Knox taking on Rose and Deville. Tegan Knox ended up taking out Sonya Deville and that left Mandy by herself allowing Rhea Ripley to put on her inverted Texas cloverleaf for the tap out victory. Dana Bryan had also had a confrontation with Shawn Michaels and Triple H backstage, including Dana Bryan challenging Triple H to a match, but supposedly Triple H didn't bring his gear, and Shawn looked like he was getting ready to go against Dana Bryan, but faked him out. They ended up calling out Adam Cole, who confronted Dana Bryan, and Dana Bryan said fine. He was willing to go against Adam Cole only if the NXT Championship was on the line. Everybody agreed, and that was the main event for the evening as Dana Bryan took on Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Adam Cole was competing in the match with a fractured wrist that he's been dealing with for a few weeks now. Shawn Michaels and Triple H sat at ringside to watch this match unfold. Both these guys are considered two of the best in the ring right now, especially from a technical standpoint, and they did not deny the crowd what was going to be a first-ever meeting between these two. At one point, Dan O'Brien had Cole on the outside and dove out of the ring onto the announce table area, causing Michaels and Triple H to have to clear out. When Dan O'Brien went for another one, he got caught by a kick from Adam Cole. Later on in the ring, they were doing the yes kicks. Cole ducked and was able to then hit a super kick on Dana Bryan. He then hit a Panama Sunrise and a last shot for the victory over Dana Bryan, retaining the NXT Championship. Adam Cole was then joined by everybody else who was there from NXT and celebrating the ring triple h joined them and threw down the gauntlet for not only smackdown but also raw declaring this is our army this is our fight this is our ring at survivor series know what you're getting into raw and smackdown let's see what you got and this is setting up perfectly for the survivor series we'll see if nxt gets invaded by raw or smackdown this week we'll see if NXT ends up invading Raw as well as everybody's going to be back from Saudi Arabia. That basically wraps up what happened in WWE this week. Midwestern Wrestling, in association with Healthy Computers and McLean's Ales, are proud to present live pro wrestling at Parkview Gardens Listowel, Saturday, November 9th. If you're a wrestling junkie, a casual fan, or just up for a night of great professional wrestling, unbelievable athleticism, and amazing entertainment, you'll love what MWW brings to your local arena. This show is a licensed all-ages event. Tickets are 15 in advance, 20 at the door, and a family four-pack is just 50 bucks. Check us out on Facebook for more details. Midwestern Wrestling.
was Tony Schiavone, but I, I think, I hope, you know that by now. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't give a shit. However, you may give a shit about this. That is part of StarCast 4 in Baltimore on Thursday, November 7th, which, oddly enough, is my birthday. We're going to have a Tony Schiavone birthday party bash. What do we call it? Party bash? It's going to be a great time, starting with a dinner at 7 o'clock and then festivities at 8 o'clock. And all of a sudden, I realized that, oh boy, I do want to have a birthday party, but it's probably going to end up being a a roast of Tony Schiavone, headed by Dan St. Germain, which means I'm fucked. I get it. Woo, dog it. Woo, dog it. With Bill Watson stand. Let's hook him up. <laughs> what is this one for? Uh, my birthday party. Oh, yeah. It's, it's uh, Star- Starcast, party Starcast. Yeah, November 7th. November 7th. It's kicking off Starcast, essentially. It's, it's the, the biggest party ever. Uh, ever. 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 The history of In the history of the, this great sport, right? <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> People are going to be there, right? Oh. Luminaries in attendance. Luminaries in attendance. Jason Hervey. <laughs> Gary Juster. <laughs> They're all going to be there. Robocop. Robocop. <laughs> and that slimy son of a bitch, Conrad Thompson, right? <laughs> right. He is slimy. Join the birthday party. It's going to be great. Support and subscribe to his Patreon. Okay, thank you. All right, I'm out of here. Never tell you I love you. Thank you. Okay, all right, buddy. Not that I would suck up for a job or anything like that. Be with us in Baltimore as part of StarCast 4. Bracelets, meet and greets, and more available now at StarCast.com. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Shock Stock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spread throughout the land. Three days of thrills and chills. With screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, all-nighter parties, and more. Stay tuned for guest announcements and more info. Thanks once again for joining me for this edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's events and look forward to next week's events, including AEW with full gear. Be sure to like and subscribe this podcast wherever you're hearing it, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. And be sure to catch us every Friday with the production line as I go to the Tyson Dukes Russell Factory and check out the stars of tomorrow being built today on the production line. It appears every Friday on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page. So until next time, Have a great one, and we'll see you then. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night's